Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Podcast by Committee, your favorite podcast here in the athletic family of podcasts, now free on iTunes and Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it, whatever the name is. Anyway, today, we go down the road to Washington, D.C., and bring in Ben Standig from The Athletic DC. Ben, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, I really uh, appreciate it. Excited to uh, talk to you guys. Uh, very cool. Also, uh, you know, like when we've had some of the, the, the beat writers on before, it's been, hey, you know, you play fantasy. Uh, you know fantasy. Ben's actually written fantasy before and has done rankings before, so we can very nicely and beautifully contextualize a lot of these questions we're going to have. This is all true. Yeah, I, I uh, participated in in many a, uh, I don't want to say expert league. I would take that term because being an expert in fantasy football seems insane. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. That's how we make our livings. Experts so guys, in fantasy are real. <laughs> no, you guys know what you're talking about. I just said that the term is always funny to me. Um, or, uh, at least at least when it comes to myself. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I played fantasy. I, I believe the first year I ever played was the year that uh, Emmett Smith uh, held out the first couple of games. And we all, none of us knew, like, wait, what do we do? Do we draft him? Do we not draft him? Will this ever happen? So, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's been a wild ride with fantasy for me, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You remember those days when guys would hold out and we didn't know what to do with them? Those, those, those crazy days, right? I think that was the year also that the Cardinals, uh, that they had added a bunch of, like, standouts to their defense. And we all did, like, we were in an auction league. And I think the winning bid was, like, $20 for the defense. It was yeah, we were, we were we were silly young men at that point. Yeah, yeah those halcyon days. Um, so anyway, uh, let me just give you a proper introduction here. Ben is uh, is our beat writer, one of the beat writers for uh, Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig, B-E-N-S-T-A-N-D-I-G. It's standing without an N. Uh, it's actually a very cool follow, and there have been some tweets that you've already sent out that um, I believe have been turned into Roto World News Updates, so... This is this is a very friendly fantasy follow here, and I would I would encourage everyone to just look him up, give him a follow, find him on the athletic website too, give that a follow, um, because we're gonna have a lot of questions here, and I think how this is gonna go is I'm just gonna say Ben, just just like you know the worst reporter thing you're supposed to do, talk a little bit about. It's gonna be just Ben talk a little about every position because this Washington team seems all over the place, dude. Like there's not like one position where you can solidly say this is the guy, right? That's how I'm reading this. It's like there's not quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. It's not like, oh, yeah, you can definitely get this guy and he's a safe fantasy bet. This is like you this is you could go 40 different ways here. Uh, absolutely. If, if to be honest, right now, like when we're talking uh, just ahead of the uh, you know, fourth preseason game, not that really will matter with regards to this uh, to, to this conversation. But there there's just enough questions on offense that the one player i say in air quotes that i would feel pretty confident about knowing what i'm going to get in fantasy is actually the defense because the defense actually i think is going to be a, a top 10 nfl defense this year or at least the potential to be redskins were like i think like seventh and sacks a year ago they swap out preston smith for montez sweat they add landon collins the young guys in the defensive line are the strength of this team and nobody wants to hear about the, the fantasy defense because i'm not saying you should draft them i'm saying that's like the one group i feel pretty good about Everything else is to some degree up in the air with regards to what you're going to get. But at the same time, there is some reason for optimism down the line. And depending on the size of your league uh, and things like that, you know, there are a couple of guys to, to target and consider e- either in terms of the draft or maybe at least like sort of put on your scout team. But yeah, it's kind of a, oh boy, I don't know what to make of this team situation for sure. Um, if you were still ranking, I guess we can go through each one here, but is, is there is there someone that you would kind of, you know, put twelve places up against the uh, the expert consensus? Is there is there just a guy on the team who you're like, okay, you know, Darius Geis, I would reach for him, or like I, I actually know that there's a guy you like that you you'd slacked me, and I don't know if that was just a Nando and Ben slack, or or if you'd put it out there, but uh, like there's a wide receiver who you like out there who, who it seems like the guy you would actually maybe reach for if you're doing your drafts, your personal drafts? Um, you're probably out of mind because I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Was that Terry McLaurin? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Okay. So, yeah, it's not so much a Ben opinion, although Terry McLaurin has looked really good. It's a Jay Gruden opinion whose opinion matters way more that 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 than mine. He has been uh, gushing over McLaurin, their third-round pick all, all summer. 
Uh, at one point, I, I had a one-on-one with Jay Gruden during training camp, and I asked him at that point about Josh Dotson and Paul Richardson, the two projected starters on the outside. And I swear, his answer was, yeah, 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 they've looked pretty good, but let me tell you about Terry McLaurin. And then he talked about Terry McLaurin for the next two minutes, about how this kid, he's got four, three, five speed for, at, at the combine. He's got good size. He makes nice plays up in the air. He's a smart kid, big time up threat on special teams, which I know is not a fantasy thing, but it just goes to show he's a sort of a well-rounded player. It's always dicey. I, I, I find typically to, to, to you know, try to draft a rookie receiver or, or, to, or to rely on that player. And I'm not saying you should necessarily. The Redskins have six receivers, maybe seven, none of which, like they may keep six or seven guys. None of them are definitively fantasy stars. And from an NFL perspective, one of the offensive issues is we have no idea about the rotation or really if we'll get any, any significant production at the top. But that also opens up opportunities for young guys to, to, to step up. And McLaurin is a guy who was getting a lot of momentum. He hurt his tailbone um, right at the end of training camp, and that kind of kept him out of one preseason game. But he played last week, and, uh, you know, they haven't announced who their starters are yet at receiver, but I think McLaurin has a chance not just to be productive. He has a chance to start week one, and and I guess if you're in a deep league, I'm not talking about dynasty, but if you're in a deep redraft and you get to the last round and you want to take a flyer, he's a guy that you could at least keep an eye on, especially if, in fact, they name him the starter for week one. I mean, it seems like every year when we talk about this team, it's kind of, you know, there were Jamison Crowder and Josh Jackson, which one's going to pop, which one's going to, you know, do well this year. It's kind of like how it is in Carolina with well, how it was with DJ Moore and and, and Samuel. It, it, but it's it was different. Like every year you'd be like, oh, this is the Josh Doxton year. Or this is the this is Jameson Crowder year. And every year they would find a way to disappoint. And you kind of like where, where are all these yards going then if they're not going to one of these two guys? Um, and it's just kind of nice to have like another name in there. Terry McLaurin popping up right now. It just kind of breaks the malaise in a way for me of this Washington receiving core that year in and year out for fantasy players has just been. Is it going to be Doxon? Is it going to be Crowder? Which one's it going to be? And then, you know, 16 weeks later, we're like, I'm never going to do this again. And then, you know, come August, we do it again. So it's kind of nice to have like a different name that people are excited about in the mix here. But this is an example as to why it's impossible at this moment to really know what to make of the Redskins offense or, or their receiving core. So look, let's look at Trey Quinn, for example. He's the, he's the Jamison Crowder replacement at the slot. Jay Gruden has gone out of his way throughout the summer to identify that he is the, that Quinn is the starter. He won't say if Dotson is starting, let alone making the team, but he's saying he has said that Trey Quinn will start. The thing about it is, Trey Quinn was the literal last pick in the 2018 NFL draft, the Mr. Irrelevant pick. He played three games last year, had nine catches, landed on IR twice. He's whoever is listening to this is a decent chance you're taller than Trey Quinn. He's no, he, he's not. He, he's a he's a he's a tough kid. He's a really good athlete, multi-sport athlete. But you know he hasn't shown anything in the NFL relative to like actual production because he can't stay on the field. And yet, and in fact, he's already missed time in training camp with a thumb injury. And yet, Jay Gruden is saying he's the guy in the slot. So there's a reason to believe that like if he plays, he will be a potential PPR guy. You know. Uh, not saying he's going to get 100 yards weekly, but, you know, if you're talking, you know, five, six, seven catches, that seems possible for sure. But he hasn't played. And he hasn't. it's not like he's a first-round pick. And yet this is why the dynamic is so bizarre that the guy that, that the head coach seems to latch onto was the last pick in the draft who hasn't actually done much, and yet that's who Washington is relying on a lot, or it, it appears to be. If he doesn't play, I, with the guy who might be the slot replacement – otherwise may not even make the team. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's just a why is this an example as to why the, the Redskins receiving core there's potential, but there's a lot of chaos right now. Josh Doxson's ADP has has plummeted. I mean like you get like Josh Doxson's I believe is even below Cam Sims in ADP right now. Um so it, it is kind of like these guys who are bubbling up a little bit. Trey Quinn is right at around two hundred uh in average draft position. Uh McLaurin's like two seventy but below, you know, Cam Sims two eighty one, and uh, and Doxon's like two eighty seven. So, yeah, you do. You look at these wide receivers. The top receiver in the Washington receiving core is Trey Quinn with a two oh seven NFBC uh, NFFC ADP, which is crazy. Like they got to throw the ball to someone, right? They are. I mean, this is and you know to add to this and, and to switch the position slightly over to tight end. 
you know, Jordan Reed, the passing game revolves around him, which explains a lot why they've struggled the last couple of years, uh, or certainly did last year with in the Alex Smith uh, part of it, uh, because Jordan Reed has not been able to stay healthy. Basically, since he had a, was it 2015? Uh, he, you know, he had a really good, really a breakout year. He's just been, just been dealing with the injuries throughout. He looked great all summer. Really good. Like, I, I was I was prepared uh, in my leagues to, you know, wait on tight end perhaps and, and grab Jordan Reed for the upside. But then, because this is what happens to Jordan Reed, he took a wicked hit, a wicked hit to the head, to the helmet in the, in the third preseason game, entered concussion protocol. He entered this season with six concussions. Uh, as of this moment, we have not heard if he has cleared concussion protocol, but Jay Gruden seems to think Reed would be ready for week one. If we know that Reed is healthy, Again, he looked really good, and I think that would be the main focus of the passing, uh, you know, the, the yards, the receptions, and all that. But, uh, you know, I mean, based on his history, it's hard to know what to make of it. And obviously, tight end sort of a tricky one where, you, you know, it's hard to find depth sometimes. I mean, you, you know, it depends on the minute and things like that. But it's hard to go into a draft, I would suspect, and say, I'm going to put a lot of eggs into the Jordan Reed basket knowing that he could potentially be taken off the field. But again, at the same time, there is significant upside. He was he was just blowing by guys in training camp all summer. Every time I see somebody run, you know, sprinting down the field, I'm like, ooh, who's that? And I'm like, oh, 86, okay. Well, that looks good. But we'll just have to hope for his sake, you know, both from a fantasy perspective and just a life perspective that this uh, latest concussion is minor and, and, and not, a, not a significant setback in any way. It's, I mean, it, it's crazy when you think, like, I don't think of Jordan Reed – as a concussion guy, and I, I know I should, and I don't mean to like make light of it by calling him a concussion guy, but Jordan Reed's been hurt in so many different ways that you know, like I, I'm worried, like oh, here comes his ankle thing that's going to take him out for four weeks, and now like like six concussions is crazy, and it, you know you you hear about how you know one concussion makes the second one easier to get, the third one easier to get, and the fourth, and it just kind of exacerbates every following concussion. Um, does that make you? I mean, make you as a fantasy player? Look a little harder, Jeremy Sprinkle, because I, there's been some there's some like minor Jeremy Sprinkle buzz out there, um, and it's interesting because Vernon Davis is still there, but Jeremy Sprinkle's like this kind of shiny new toy that that people have kind of taken to a little bit. There's a little bit of a shine on him. Um, I don't. Where's that crazy? Yeah, I I think if Jordan Reed is out, you know, I think Vernon Davis could maybe give you a week or two depending on the matchup or things like that. He's obviously a uh, just a ridiculous physical freak. And uh, all that, but like you know, it just—I don't think he's a 16-week guy by any stretch. And, and Sprinkle to me is more of a blocker than he is uh, a, a receiver. So I, I don't see the upside there. I would basically run away from the Redskins tight ends. I mean, again, if you want to, I, I wouldn't even probably have in the past when I've had Jordan Reed, I had Vernon Davis as a uh, tight end handcuff in, in leagues deep enough. <laughs> where Sounds it works, ridiculous, works. right? It does. It does. But it actually worked out a couple of years ago when I did that. But I had a it was a deep league and you had a lot of bench space. So you could do that. But uh, I, I probably wouldn't bother at that point. But like I said, you know, you know anything is possible. I mean, here's the other variable, of course. Trent Williams is, is uh, continuing to hold out uh, their Pro Bowl left tackle. They're going to go with Donald Penn, the 36 year old that they just picked up during training camp off the street. Their left guard is probably going to be Eric Flowers, at least for week one. And everybody hearing this, especially those Giants fans, are probably like, whoa, 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 hold up. What? Eric Flowers? He's starting for an NFL team? And the reality is we all have the same reaction. So uh, when you look at it from that perspective, you're like, well, Case Keenum or whoever's under center is going to be, you know, not having a lot of time. And, you know, that means, you know, less opportunity to look downfield for Paul Richardson or or, or Terry McLaurin and perhaps having to throw more underneath. And if you're going to need the one thing, I guess that sprinkle could, could work in his favor is if they feel the need to have two tight end sets and extra blocker, he could be on the field more. Maybe he's engaged in blocking, but at least if he's on the field, then there's more of a chance he gets, gets uh, some, some targets his way. But by and large, to me, it's Jordan Reed or, or, or bust at that position for the Redskins. By the way, a uh, great story on Eric flowers uh, about him. You know, he sees everything that everyone says about him. He just let it slide. Um, excellent story about Rogers Camardi coming back. But my my favorite story so far this preseason, I just read it this morning. The JP Holtz. So 
I thought it was going to be like a 53-man cutdown story like everyone's doing. Like, what's the 53-man roster going to be? And it was about J.P. Holtz and like the way, just the way you wrote it, man, about like the, how, you know, how many pieces of lumber you can get out of a tree and, and like how, you know, he was working. It's one of those awesome stories about how the guy was working as a forester. Like, it's just, I like, I'm not hyping this up because it's part of the athletic. This would be amazing if it was written anywhere, but it was such a great story about J.P. Holtz. That was a great story, Ben, by the way. <laughs> I I appreciate that the uh, uh, the Eric Flower story was by my colleague Rainer Walker, but I appreciate. Oh, that. never mind then. <laughs> no, yeah, forget that one. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But I but but I appreciate it. Uh, it's like so, I also have covered the NBA plenty in my career, and you know, in that league, it happens all the time. Guy doesn't make the doesn't make the training camp roster, or you know, in the summer just doesn't get any good offers. They have options. You can go to play in China and get paid. Uh, seven figures, right? You can go play in in the French League, Italy, South America, Australia, all over the place. You can play. Every country has leagues and multiple leagues. You can go make a good living. That's just not an option for the NFL guys. I mean, yes, the Canadian Football League exists, but there's complications there, and we'll see whatever happens with the XFL. But basically, if you're a guy like J.P. Holtz, who's hoping to be the fourth tight end for the Redskins. He's more of a blocker than anything else. So don't get excited for fantasy. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, like it, it's either you make the NFL or you have to go back to civilian life most likely and figure out what, what are you doing? And he was a guy who had been, he, he's been trying for a few years and he went, he was a, yeah, he was a forester buying and selling lumber things like that. He said that, that when I asked him, he climbed the trees. He said, no, I don't do anything crazy like that. And I, I'm sitting here going, dude, your entire job is getting into the equivalent of, you know, 50 car crashes every game blocking dudes. And you're telling me that climbing the tree is, is crazy, but okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> good, good for you. Man. It's, and, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to make the team or not, but we were talking about the tight ends. I forgot to bring that was, it was just a great story. Yeah, I strongly I suggest everyone go check it out. Um, moving on, actually moving on to the guy I really wanted to talk about was Darius Geis. Um, it's, this running back situation to me, I've been getting Adrian Peterson very late in a lot of drafts because it just looks – you know what sucks? Adrian Peterson had that one good run a couple weeks ago that was on Twitter and everyone was going nuts. Oh, look how spry Adrian Peterson is. One stupid play. Him and Emmanuel Sanders, it's driving me crazy because there's one good like Twitter play. Everyone goes nuts and it drives their value up You know, 30 picks. Um, it's kind of died down a little bit more, and I think Darius Geis playing like, out of nowhere last week might have turned the tide a little bit and had people back on Darius Geis. But – um, you know, they're, they're tied together. Uh, is there, is there going to be some caution, I guess, with Darius Geis? Um, or are they, are they just going to be like, go ahead, man, you're going to split carries with Adrian Peterson. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. So or, or a third or a third option. Sorry. It's like, that's, sure, I know sure. it's not just those two. Yeah, no, they, they also have Chris Thompson, who's you know proven to be a really, uh, you know, uh, viable threat in PPR leagues in particular for, for sure. But you know, from the football, from the NFL team perspective, Darius Geis gives the Redskins something they don't have otherwise, a real playmaker. He, he's a guy who could be, like, even with all the concerns about the offensive line, with Case Keenum, the receivers, if Darius Geis lives up to the hype that we saw at LSU, the little bit we've seen in, with, with the Redskins, he obviously had the ACL injury the first game of preseason last year, so we haven't seen a ton, but, you know, we, what, what we've seen and what we expect the potential is significant. I mean, he only slipped to the second round of the NFL draft because of some off the field concerns. There were, you know, he, a lot of people thought he was a first round pick. So there's legitimate expectations and hype for this kid. The only question is how much is he going to play? Uh, you know, they're, they're obviously bringing him along slowly. He wasn't even cleared for preseason action until right before the third game. So they tell us, um, even though he'd been out there in training camp and uh, all summer and looked pretty good. In, in that setting, he is, you know, he's swervy, he's shifty, he's got good strength. He's not a little guy. He's got big arms. Um, he, he'll, he'll, he'll run over guys and run past some guys. They're also using him more in the passing game because I think they want to help disguise their offense. So it's not just always if Adrian Peterson's on the field that we're probably going to run. If Chris Thompson's on the field, we're probably going to pass. Guys gives you more of that balance. So I definitely think he's somebody with a lot of upside and by, you know, I don't know, week five, week six, we could be looking at a Darius guy's show and, and he's the guy getting most of the work. But that said, you know, Adrian Peterson is obviously Adrian Peterson. He's a physical freak. You know, he, he was really good for them last year. He kind of, kind of wore down late as the whole team did after Alex Smith's 
injury. I, 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 he, it's just, he's, he's Adrian. He's not just a guy who's got all those physical traits. He's Adrian Peterson. He's the Hall of Future Hall of Fame guy. It, you know, it's impossible to ignore him. And I suspect the coaching staff kind of feels the same. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere anytime soon. But I wouldn't be drafting Adrian Peterson outside of a, a, a Darius guy's handcuff to some degree. Or just like, you know, okay, I need some depth. Here's a guy who will get, you know, 10 touches a game, you know, maybe 15, depending on the situation. You know, some goal line work seems logical as well. But, I mean, Geis is definitely the guy I would want to target. Uh, you know, I guess if you're, you know, if you're an RB0 kind of a player, he's somebody that, like, makes a lot of sense to draft for the upside in those, you know, middle rounds somewhere. Uh, you know, I don't want don't, to – don't take my middle round suggestion as meaning anything. It depends on your situation or or what else, you know, keeper leagues or things like that. Um but yeah, he's he's definitely the interesting guy, the the back to own. It is we'll just have to see how much work they give him, considering you have Peterson and Thompson there. I will just say that based on the Redskins situation, it seems logical they will lean on the run bit rather than go with Case Keenum and those uncertain receivers. So he should get work. They should all get work, but how much he's gonna get is really gonna be you know a big question entering the season. So it's almost like um like a, I don't want to keep comparing every like the Nick Chubb Carlos Hyde situation with the Browns last year, where you know Chubb is the guy you want. Hyde will eventually be kind of supplanted. Um, is this like a like Geis is the guy you want? Peterson is the guy who will eventually be supplanted. So you know if, you, if you're looking down to like week 10, 11, 12 when your playoffs start and it heats up and you just got to get in there, um, Geis is the guy who's going to maybe carry you into that and win you a title. Um, whereas Peterson might spike early, but then just you know. See you later. Yeah, I mean, I think logically that's the way to look at it. You know, the Redskins have a really tough schedule to open the season at Philadelphia, then Dallas, the Bears, um, at the Giants, then the Patriots. That's the first five games. And one thing, I mean, so the other variable, of course, with all this is what are they doing at quarterback? I'm sure we'll get into that. But at yeah, that's some, next. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I, so part of that from the running back perspective, I would imagine is, look, it's, if Case Keenum can actually could do some good things, be the guy – we saw in 2017 with the Vikings, you know, and so on. That changes a lot about what this offense could look like. But if he's struggled or the team's losing early against that tough schedule and they turn to Dwayne Haskins, well, what does that do? You expect more turnovers from the rookie just by net, by uh, just naturally. Maybe defenses stack the box a bit more, forcing the the rookie to do some stuff. So that's part of the the variable with the running backs and frankly the whole offense and why this Washington team is so confusing to what to make of it. But yes, I think your general point is, is, is fair. I would say, you know, assuming he has good health, Geis is the guy they, they, you know, he's part of the future. They want to build around him. If the team is losing, it just makes more logical sense that to give him more work along with Haskins and leaning towards 2020. By the way, of course, even that has a variable, has an extra variable because Jay Gruden may not last the season. He's the guy when people ask who's the first coach fired, they often pick him. He, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2015. He's been, this is his sixth year. Logically, you could imagine this would be his last year, but he's also an offensive minded guy. And if he's doing good stuff with Haskins, they might keep him, blah, blah, blah. So is he playing for the moment? Is he playing for the future? That's a question I just asked him the other day and he didn't really give much of an answer. So yeah, it's, it's, it's there's so many weird variables that, that go into this Redskins offense. And uh, I can, I probably sound like a guy who's lost himself in the forest. I can't see the trees anymore, but, uh, but yeah, this is this is what this is what happens when you look at these players on the Redskins right now. Is there um I mean like not just to go back to the Browns for everything, but you know when they brought Freddie Kitchens up and elevated him when when uh, all the firings happened, it, it was kind of like oh he did great work for Baker Mayfield and you know he's very important to us and they kind of came in concert. Um, is this going to be a thing if if Gruden is fired? Uh, would this be somewhere like like Tim Rattay, the quarterbacks coach, is elevated or or is it a you know, you know what I mean? Like, will that go in concert with Haskins and then be built around, we're going to bring this guy in right now because we want to see what Haskins has and we're going to let him go nuts the rest of the year in a, you know, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield-y kind of way? Or um, or is this just someone like, let's just get the head coach in there and, and do what we got to do? Sure. No, they've got uh, Kevin O'Connell is the offensive coordinator. And, you know, people, you know, obviously Sean McVay is kind of a big deal in this league for those of you uh, unfamiliar with him. Uh, and of course, where did Sean McVay come from? He came from here. He was the offensive coordinator under Gruden before he went to the Rams and O'Connell, you know, I, I don't want to say he's the next Sean McVay, but he is a guy getting a lot of attention. There were a lot of national reporters 
coming through uh, Richmond this year where the Redskins held training camp, not just to look at the team, but to talk to Kevin O'Connell, because there is a sense that he could be a head coach as soon as next year. And from the Redskins' perspective, look, even if you think Jay Gruden's all that, are you potentially going to let another young, you know, hot, offensive-minded candidate get away? That's part of the equation for sure. And, and and he would be the guy. Now, I guess it's conceivable, you know, Bill Callahan's the offensive line coach, the former, the former Raiders coach. You know, they, they've got Greg, uh, uh, Jim Tomasula, Greg Minuski, guys who have that type of experience. You could maybe say, hey, you guys are the head coach the rest of the way. But O'Connell would be the guy really running the offense. And, um, you know, that is a very, you know, again, if they start off, you know, two and six or something and make that kind of move, I suspect part of it is they want to give Kevin O'Connell that shot to, 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 to make it his offense, see what he can do with Haskins and guys and these receivers. And, and then they can you know, make a decision in the offseason. Is O'Connell running a Gruden offense or like with this, if, if he came to be head coach, and I know this is crazy down the road stuff, but if he ascended into the head coaching position, um, would he, would this be like a totally different look, maybe a little more dynamic thing? Like right now, is he just an extension of Gruden or is he kind of calling his own, like, is he Todd Monkening and things like he did last year in Tampa Bay where, you know, when Monken took over the play calling, that was an explosive offense. You know, you know what I'm saying? Is or is it his own thing? No, I mean, I think he's, you know, I mean, you know, Jay Gruden is not just uh, uh, the head coach. He is an offensive minded guy with the Bengals offensive coordinator before he ever came to Washington. And, and you know, just like his brother, you know, the, the offense is his thing. So it's essentially Kevin O'Connell calling Jay Gruden's uh, offense with his own, you know, wrinkles and, and, and play calls and things like that. But in terms of the, the structure, but, uh, you know, for the most part, it would be Gruden's offense. Would he switch it to? To something a little a, a little different. I mean, that that would be natural, right? You know, everybody wants to see the world in their own in their own way. But um, um, but yeah, no. I mean, look, he's considered to be a really impressive young mind. I always am hesitant myself with getting excited about coaches or coordinators who are on the same side of the ball as the head coach. In that, obviously, Jay Gruden is heavily involved in the offense. So if you're saying the offense is doing a good job and you're interested in this guy underneath him, well, you don't get the head coach to come along with you. So it's always a little bit hard for me to tell where is the line between the head coach and a, and a coordinator on his side of the ball. And that said, I remember when, when it was Sean McVay, and despite the fact he was incredibly young, when he got that Rams interview, my first thought was, oh, he's getting this job. This dude is way impressive. And uh, he's going to he's going to win that interview and get that job. And obviously, that's what happened. I, I mean, a few guys have his level of charisma. So I'm not saying O'Connell is that guy, but he's a guy, like I said, a lot of people around the league are intrigued by. And, you know, I, I suspect the Redskins will have to think long and hard about potentially losing him if it means giving Jay Gruden, you know, a seventh year and they struggle to make the playoffs. But the Dwayne Haskins thing is going to be crucial. Do they do they see development? And if they do. What do they attribute that to? Yeah, I mean, we might as well jump into Haskins here. It's a perfect segue. Um, he's his ADP is you know like a hundred more than any other quarterback on the roster. Uh, so people are excited about him. He's not going to start, but I mean, is it just a matter of time kind of thing, or you know, can can he be buried if Washington gets out to like a you know five and zero start and they're looking good? Like how how is the Dwayne Haskins timeline going to play out? Do you think? So he definitely did not look like he was ready for prime time during preseason training camp. And yet at the same point, he's clearly the most talented quarterback they have. He's got great size. The arm strength is obvious. He's an accurate passer. Um, you know, he made a couple of great throws in, 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 in these preseason games, particularly in the first two games. Uh, but, you know, he's just not ready. I mean, you know, he makes the rookie mistakes. And all that. And plus, you know, again, the left side of the offensive line is very unsettled right now. The receivers, it's not like you can lean on anything. It's not like you could say, hey, we have a great offensive line. We've got these running backs. He just has to be the, the counter puncher. We'll, we'll, we'll rely on the run and set him up for some nice play actions and go from there. I don't know what the Redskins can set him up with. To me, look, if, if, if they, they win early, if Case Keenum looks reasonable, again, I'm talking more about the NFL than fantasy at this sure. point with so I don't think anybody should be looking at Case Keenum. But if he looks reasonable, they move the ball, they win some games. I, I can see them riding it out with Case Keenum for a while and let Haskins learn. But, you know, the, most people are projecting the Redskins to be under 500, if not significantly under 500. And then at some point, 
you go from there. I, I think a lot of us were saying, I mentioned those first five games with the fifth game being the Patriots. Week six is at Miami, and then I think week seven is San Francisco. So that's a, or yeah, something like that. And so that's a kind of a relatively nice uh, soft landing spot. And that could be a place to insert Haskins unless they, you know, unless things go awry really, really uh, bad early. The, the other part of this is that Colt McCoy, he was in the mix to start. He's been banged up, though, as per usual for, throughout his career. He's not ready right now, hasn't played in the preseason. But if he comes back in the next couple of weeks and they, the offense struggles, they could potentially move to him first before Haskins and give him that shot. But I suspect if it goes into, say, week five or six or seven, at that point, if you're losing, going to Haskins makes more sense just to get a jump start on the next year and see what you have in this kid. I mean, is, is Case Keenum, I don't, like, I, I know people are down on him, and this is almost like he's, you know, a bit of an afterthought, but two years ago, he was really good in Minnesota. And I mean, even last year, he, he had almost 4,000 passing yards. Um, is there is there a chance that he's just good again? I mean, like I, we've talked about the wide receivers who are kind of all over the place, but, you know, if a couple of these can step up and they're electric and they have a, a connection with Case Keenum and, you know, maybe Chris Thompson ends up with 100 targets, um, is there a chance Case Keenum could actually have, like, you know, a, a good year? Uh, you know, Feel yeah, free I, to say no. <laughs> but Well, I mean, it's certainly like, a, you know, it's certainly possible if, the Terry McLaurins and the Paul Richardsons and the Trey Quinns stay healthy and, and live up to their expectations. If Jordan Reed doesn't miss any time with this concussion, if Darius Geis is, is all that and a bag of chips at running back, if Donald, you know, if Trent Williams comes back sooner than later, or if Donald Penn at least holds up on that, uh, on the left side, I, I just went through a bunch of ifs, but all everything I just said is not inconceivable, but it just feels like looking at Case Keenum's career, He's not a guy who's going to lead an offense. He's a guy who will be part of an offense. And right now, being part of this offense just doesn't look terribly exciting. But, like, you know, if if you know, if this is the year where things actually, the breaks go the Redskins away, which based on the last couple of years and the last two decades seems unlikely. Right. <laughs> but, but there, I mean, that's what makes this such an interesting team. It's not like you could just write them off completely and say, oh, forget it. These guys have no hope. There's no upside, nothing. Forget it. Then that'd be one thing. But there is some hope, and that's why, yeah, I think Keenum is potentially an interesting guy. But, you know, it's just in this time of fantasy, right? I mean, you know better than me. There's just so much quarterback depth. I, I, I just don't see why, you know, you anybody would need to, to lean on him from a draft, and even with whatever his upside is, you know, maybe, you know, look, in, in certain in certain matchups, he obviously could make for a, a bi-week candidate, or, you know, if you have an injury to your original starter and you're going quarterback by committee, yeah, maybe he, he, he makes sense, depending on, you know, who you're playing in a given week. But, you know, by and large, it's just hard to see how his upside is enough to, to, to be excited about at any point in fantasy this year. Well, some two quarterback leagues, super flex is kind of, like our draft today in our in our athletic fantasy football draft league, um, I think it's super flex actually. So I'm pretty sure Jake set it up as super flex. So you know, Case Keenum has a you know he's he's becoming more relevant. I think people are liking super flex because a guy like Case Keenum makes you decide. You're like, do I want to put Case Keenum as my super flex or do I want like a, I don't know, like John Brown or Naheem Hines? You know, I think that's when you get to that point, you're kind of like, oh, this is an interesting decision now. Instead of just I have my one quarterback, I'm not gonna have a backup, and I'm gonna pick my quarterback late. You, you got to make these decisions. Decisions. Yeah, you know, and, and to be honest, uh, despite my fantasy background, the, the ideas of the super flex that that that's above my uh, current uh, mindset, and even the two quarterback leagues, I haven't I haven't done that, but I know that things are trending in those directions, and that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, so certainly, look, an, an NFL starting quarterback, you know, almost anybody could get you, you know, depending on your scoring system, you know, 12 to 15 points on the loss any week. And and certainly Keenum can do that. And look, if the Redskins are struggling in games, you know, they're going to have to throw a lot in the second half and things like that. Again, I suspect their defense should be pretty good. So, you know, that they may not be getting blown out because of the defense, but at the same point, you're probably trailing in, in, in a decent amount of games unless things click. So, sure. I mean, I think Case Keenum could be a totally reasonable guy, at least early. Like I said, the question is, how long until they go to Haskins? I probably would guess the, the first month Keenum is safe, unless he's really bad and Colt McCoy is, is ready to go. Then he might step in. 
But uh, yeah, early on, I, I think Keenum has a, has a decent has a decent chance. I, I will just say, like he at times he looks okay in training camp, and at times you're just like, uh, I don't know. He's got kind of the you know, I, I, as a guy who's incredibly out of shape. Let me not you know throw stones. But like Case Keenum's got a little bit of the dad bod thing going on. It doesn't like look like wow that guy's a dynamic athlete out there. But look, he can make the plays. We've seen him be productive in the league. He started plenty. So it's not like it's a complete unknown. It's just that the unknowns are around him are pretty significant, and it, it makes it hard to to really get excited about him one way or the other. But I've got a very deep question. Like, is this is this team like? Because I saw it before we started talking as like one of those baby toys where you have you know you have like the the person's head, and then the person's middle body, and then the person's leg, and you flip through like the eight options, and you know you got like the chicken head and the man body, and you know like the dinosaur legs. And you just keep flipping until you get all three dinosaurs. Um, but now it seems like a Rubik's Cube in a way. Like, it, it, you could make this work. Like, you could twist, twist, twist. And, you know, by week eight, this could be like a, a good-looking offense that that's high-powered, that has fantasy value. It's just right now, it's just a mess of a bunch of different colored squares that, you know, it's going to take a while to kind of flip around to get. I mean, like, talking to you right now, I think I'd like to go Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is going to make my list of the the kind of sleepers that the deep sleepers that people have mentioned on the show that I want to grab at the end of drafts. Um, Darius Geis talking to you. You've, I've, I've bumped him up probably five to six spots on my draft board and in my rankings, um, which don't exist, which are just kind of figurative and vague right now. But in my brain, I know what my rankings are and I like him more and I like Adrian Peterson less. And I feel like I've been making some mistakes now grabbing Adrian Peterson late. Um, but I mean, you know, you look ahead to I don't know, say late, I say Halloween, and this could be a team that people are saying like, maybe they're not that great in real life, but there is some finally some fantasy value here. It's I mean, look, I, the, just to like go back to the wide receivers in particular, like that group, really intriguing young guys. I mean, we talked about Terry McLaurin, who's the third round pick and the most obvious guy, and Trey Quinn, the likely slot starter. You, you mentioned Cam Sims, I mean, he was a breakout guy for them last year during training camp and made the roster as an undrafted free agent out of Alabama. And then week one, he suffers essentially what turned into a season ending ankle injury, but he's got great size, great speed, and has looked good again this summer. You also have Robert Davis. He was a uh, day three pick in 2017. I want to say last year, he made the team as a rookie last year in training camp, suffers a brutal knee injury and leg injury, misses all the season. He's come back. He's been like, very productive. He had uh, touchdowns in each of the first two preseason games. So he's looked uh, he's looked really good. There's even some other guys who, you know, not from a fantasy perspective, but just some other guys who probably won't make the team or maybe more practice squad candidates who in any other year, people would have been like, wow, that guy's really exciting. And that's just the thing. They have a lot of guys who are interesting and exciting, but at the top of the rotation, it's a little just, it's just hard to know. I mean, we haven't even talked about Paul Richardson that much. I mean, here's a guy they paid a ton of money to in free agency a year ago. He's got, you know, blinding speed. He is maybe the skinniest player, skinniest human I've ever seen. But the, the dude is incredibly tough. He plays through pain. He he go he cha- he'll challenge balls high up in the air, and he'll he'll make plays. But you got to get him the ball. And is uh, are they going to have give Case Keenum enough time to throw down the field? Alex Smith last year, obviously, as we know throughout his career, not a guy who looks to go deep down the field. I think Keenum's a little more aggressive and he'll be probably willing to do that more. And that's where Paul Richardson could be interesting. But like on a week to week fantasy basis, uh, it's, you know, I, I just don't know if I see the consistency there. But like in a given week, he could absolutely be a guy who could start for you if he's healthy, if the offensive line is functioning and so on and so on. And that's why I just keep going back to just so many ifs with this team. But there's intrigue at the same time. And that's what just makes it such a fun read to try to figure out what, what, what's going to happen. Can we do a can? Is there a guy you see on here like like who's the best bet for a thousand yards? Is it McLaurin? If if we want to peg a guy who has the best bet for the thousand yard season on this team, uh, just just in the the wide receivers, um, oh, um, or is is that not is that just like the the guy who's going to lead the team is going to top out at like eight hundred yards? Yeah, probably that. I mean, look, we haven't even gotten into the Josh Dotson of it all, which is to say he's the guy. Their twenty sixteen first round pick. Yeah, he's been the starter. He's the projected starter right this minute based on what, you know, the, he's been running with the ones based on all that. And yet I I haven't had him on my final 53 roster in any of my three projections. 
I've been I, what I've heard all summer is that the Redskins are not that excited about him that they would like to trade him. I reported just this in the last couple of days that you know they are they're looking to move him before week one in part because they do have a lot of these other young guys who are interesting. Dotson is the better receiver right now, just as a basic point of fact. But they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's still a, a, a very much of a 50-50 guy on almost every capacity. Doesn't really help them in, as a run blocker. Doesn't play special teams. And if McLaurin beats him out for the starting job, I think that's where it's like, well, wait, why are we keeping this guy? But he could start. He could end up leading the team in yards because it's crazy. He's, he's got good size. He, if he's uh, if he's starting, like he's been ironically more more durable. Um, than um th- th- than we than he was you know in, in his first league when he when a heel injury kept him out so it, it's just such a hard unknown if Dotson's gone or benched or what have you and McLaurin is the starter I, I I guess I would say him but you know he was the third round pick he wasn't a first round pick in the NFL draft despite whatever Jay Gruden wants to say that doesn't mean he's going to come out and be you know he's from Ohio State doesn't mean he'll be the Michael Thomas of this of this uh, twenty nine draft class. I don't. I don't know if I see any receiver topping 800 yards. You know, R- Richardson makes a lot of sense, but you know, he couldn't even stay healthy last year, and he's been, that's been a struggle throughout his career. So, I know I'm not giving him an answer, but but like you know, I, I think from a straight up upside, you know, if I'm in the last round of a draft, McLaurin makes a lot of sense. R- Richardson, I, I would probably just have to look at what my options are. I think he's just the kind of a guy I could probably pick up in some any point in the year if I need a bye week or injury replacement. But I don't know if I'm going to, you know, if you tell me he plays 14 games at least, that's interesting. I, I don't know if I'm convinced that's going to happen. He's already missed some time this summer with, with some things. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I see anybody topping 800 yards at this point based on what we can see with this offense. All right. I mean, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, you don't have to apologize for because this is actually kind of good in a way. It's just confirming that, like, you're there every day with the team. You probably know the team better than anybody. And it's still kind of like, oh, this is this is kind of what we're seeing and feeling in fantasy is that, you know, there's not like that hidden guy who's like definitely going to get 1,400 yards. This is still very much a vague kind of nebulous situation, I guess. And also, like I said, there is a Jordan Reed factor. I mean, if Jordan Reed, who has never played all 16 games, but if you can get 14 out of Jordan Reed, he could be the 1,000-yard guy or at least the guy that gets closest to, to that for sure. And if he is that guy, it does open up the entire field. If you tell me Jordan Reed is – wrecking defenses down the middle and Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson are making plays out of the backfield. Nobody's guarding the outside receivers. And at that point, Paul Richardson and McLaurin, both of which have great speed could be big time threats down the field. Again, <laughs> we, gotta, we just got to see how it, how it plays out a bit more, but I, I, I wouldn't feel great. Like, Oh, in my draft, I got to go out and get those receivers. Uh, no, but keep an eye on them. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a couple guys, like we said, who, who could be interesting. Okay. Um, just wrapping it up really quickly, just because you're a fantasy guy and this is in no way, uh, producer Michael Beller and I trying to mine your brain for information for today's draft that we're going to be doing. Um, do you have any sleepers out there? Like just fantasy wise, just to pick your fantasy brain a little bit. Are there a couple guys you're targeting? Um, who, uh, you know, I think that's just a valuable question to ask for a fantasy show here from a fantasy guy. Boy, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I have, uh, I jumped into the athletic right right after the nba draft and immediately i got thrown into the uh world of the nba dealing with the free agency and uh the wizards and things like that and then the wizards had a gm search going on and the gm search ended two days before the redskins opened training camp and then i got that got thrown that way and then it's just been you know trent williams holdout who's the quarterback and 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 trying to you know impress the new boss kind of thing. <laughs> Honestly oh, like I'm, yeah. I'm way behind on my on my overall fantasy. I haven't actually had a had a draft yet. I I still have a couple like neighborhood kind of leagues, but I, I you know those, those drafts are later. So I haven't dug that deep just yet. I, I know in a general sense, I you know I, I pay attention a lot to the NFL draft, and I was intrigued by Daryl Henderson coming into the draft, and the fact that he landed on the Rams just makes it. I was like, oh wow, that that guy could be incredibly exciting, especially when you have the um, you know Todd Gurley. What's the deal with his knee? topic coming up so i i don't think that's a guy who you know daryl henderson may be tapped out as sort of a i don't know poor man's kamara is the right way to look at it but you know i don't know how many touches holds him would get but but wow he he certainly is uh is intriguing and uh you know 
I, 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 it, obviously Baker Mayfield is not a sleeper, but I mean, I definitely find myself just gravitating towards all things with, with that Cleveland offense. I guess he's way up there, you know, probably top 10 for a lot of people, but just, you know, I'm, I'm definitely buying into that offense between him, Be- Beckham, Chubb. You know, in the past, I've done some of the, you know, go all in on one offense type of situation. And, you know, that it's probably way obvious to say, yeah, of course, dummy, of course, you're going to go all in on Cleveland this year. Who wouldn't? But that that seems like a fun way to go, and I'm I'm not shying away uh, for, from that from what I've seen so far. Oh, nice. Well, then we will see you on the virtual uh, gridiron in a couple hours. Actually, feel free yes. to print out Jake's rankings. There, <laughs> we got cheat sheets now. There's your plug. You could print out cheat sheets. Oh, I've got I've got his rankings uh, up for 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 sure. Um, yeah, I don't know how I, I think I did sign up for your guys' league. I'm gonna have to do this while driving to FedEx Field. For this Redskins game tonight, so I beat the rush hour traffic. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. I'm excited to <laughs> excited to get in there. I'll I'll definitely be the sheep for you guys. Uh, the, the, this one, but uh, excited to, to see what happens. I don't know, man. You guys been doing rankings for FF Toolbox, which I guess is now full time fantasy. That I mean, that's a that was a good site. We got a lot of friends over there. That's I mean, I think you're being coy. I think you're not going to be driving, and you're just trying to play possum a little bit too. So just no, my, just my thought. <laughs> I, I legitimately may have to be in my car. I mean, I would never, of course, uh, you know, John Q, John Q, uh, officer, you know, whatever, mystery officer friendly. I would never draft and drive, but right. uh, I may have to make a decision. Am I going five hours early or am I going to go late? Well, we'll have to see. <laughs> Please go early for the sake of our jobs here, man. <laughs> see y'all. Um, let's, uh, let's finish this off with, uh, with get to know Ben a little bit. It's just, we do at the end of all these just to kind of, um, you get to know you as a person and not just a, a robot who gives us fantasy information. Uh, ten questions. Number one, favorite band? Uh, give me you two. Uh, I've seen them several times. Always enjoy it. Uh, although th- they got to get out of the stadium tour circuit. That I went to see them at FedEx Field here last year, and I hate seeing bands in a football stadium. So hopefully they go back to at least an NBA arena. But yeah, give me give me you two all day. Number two, what's your go to Gatorade flavor? That's hilarious. I literally just asked one of the Redskins this question uh, <laughs> in the article I was writing about J.P. Holtz. It didn't make the article, uh, but uh, g- give me the g- g- give me the w- what's the blue one? Our Arctic something, whatever the blue one is. Fair enough. I only dabble in the green. Uh, number three. Did you watch Game of Thrones and did you like the final season? So okay, yes and no and yes meaning. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I wasn't opposed. I just, by the time I got, realized it was a thing to do. It was so far down the line, but I just never caught up. But because it was such a cultural phenomenon, I decided to watch the last season with almost (laughs) no context. I mean, Twitter told me plenty, so I had enough of a sense, but I watched it without context. And it was fun to watch people on Twitter's head explode, mostly for the bad, it seemed. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I would have liked it. I just never got into it. But yeah, the last season was without any context was a weird watch, and it was kind of fun actually. <laughs> uh, number four, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? Um, I'll go with the classic life. Uh, oh, oh, I mean, what, what, cinnamon probably over regular, but I could go either way. Uh, number five, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um. Good question. Uh, it was a bat. There's no more Baskin Robbins near where I live. Where I live, I used to get pralines and cream all the time. But uh, give me, uh, you know, g- give me some sort of like a chocolate peanut butter combo, and I'm and I'm good. Number six, you are 15 years old again. Who's your celebrity crush? Well, 15 or whatever I am now. Uh, Mila Kunis uh, certainly is. Uh, it w- w- works for me. Okay. Uh, number seven, do you play an instrument? I played clarinet in junior high, but, uh, that's, that, that's been a minute. Uh, other than that, no. Number eight, uh, what's your favorite beer? I, I, I like, I like Stella Artois. Not, not only do I like it, I think it's a good hedge between, it's not so pretentious that the people who only want to drink Miller Lite look at you as a, a like you're a snob and the people who only want to get the. You know the, the the wheat beer, the you know the the, the micro brew. They don't look at you like you're you know a rube. Number nine. Uh, what's your what's the book that you recommend to someone to read that you love? 
Oh God. Um, the I, I was I, I've read this before. It's not a uh, it's a different type of book, but Chuck everything anything with Chuck Klosterman is great. He I, I was rereading. I forget the exact title, but it's like Sex Lies and Cocoa Puffs. Uh, his his look at pop culture is just such an interesting. Really, I remember fact. that book. I remember that book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he's I've got several of his books, and uh, he's got a new one that's coming out, and made me re, it made made me rethink of that one. So that what that's what's on my nightstand right now. Not to act like I'm a guy who's reading books all the time, but that that one I happened to be uh, glancing at uh, the other day. Great book. That's good. That's that's before Bill Simmons kind of brought him into the the sports eye. That was like back in his Esquire days. Hundred hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, last one. Is your toilet paper going over the top or under? <laughs> uh, I think it's under. I think. I think it's under. Well, one thing I don't get about the toilet paper is who's not who's not getting two-ply? I don't know. <laughs> but they still see them in the stores. I don't understand. I get like a I get like a restaurant someplace might do that for the cheap, but who's buying that? I, I, that I don't understand. That's my toilet paper conundrum. I don't get. You don't want to know the answer to that question, I guess. Probably not. Yeah, uh, Ben, thank you very much for joining us, man. Uh, this is this is very helpful. I, I know you, you. There's you know there's not a lot of solid answers here, but that's actually what makes it very helpful. In that uh, we have to make our decisions, and late in the draft, there are some guys we can take with some upside. There's not a lot of solidity and people you're going to take early, but. Um, but it's good to know that, you know, that's what the case is from one of the, the smartest Washington writers out there. So uh, so thank you very much. Make sure you follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Standig. That's standing without an N, S-T-A-N-D-I-G. Follow him on the site. Check out The Athletic DC. Um, ben, thanks a lot, man. Th- thank you very much for this. This is very cool. Hey, Nando, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, thanks so much for the fantasy uh help uh, already from what i see on the site i mean it's it's really you know the athletic has hired the best of the best from all over i'm not saying me but i'm just saying like it's just uh, having watched the, the the growth of the site and then to see the fantasy like oh wait i already follow that guy that guy that guy and they're all on one site this is pretty crazy so i, I oh, appreciate thanks. appreciate the help yeah, thanks man and thank you uh, i'm sure that this is going to be a very popular episode because a lot of people have these questions so uh so hopefully get some more twitter followers out of it too that is what life is all about, more Twitter followers. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just more questions. Um, good luck with the drive tonight, and, uh, and uh, good luck with the season, too. Appreciate it. Thanks. 